the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. What is up, Buckeye Nation? Welcome to the show today. This is another episode of the Buckeye Podcast with Land Grant. Holy land. I'm here with Jordan Williams today. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing great. You know, I, I took a break from playing my PS5 to hop on this podcast. It was heartbreaking. So, Oh, you got good. the PS5? Yeah, I've I just came a couple days a ago. Now. Huh? I've had it for a little bit now. It's been, wow. it's been good. It's been good. I've had it for like two days. <laughs> What games? What games are you going off of? Which ones you have right now? So I have Madden Twenty One because I bought it for my PS Four, so I was able to upgrade that. Oh, I that's bought nice. I bought Spider Man. I haven't touched it yet, but I bought the new Spider Man Miles Morales. And then I have two games that I don't actually know. That, oh, I have is it, is it Days Gone. I'm not sure. I have two games that I got for free. Um, oh, one, nice. Yeah, they were both like PS Four games that were remastered. And like you know, like with PlayStation, you have like that PlayStation Plus. You get the monthly games. So I yeah. got two like first person uh, games. One is like about zombies, and the other one is like a survivalist game. They were free, so that's what I have until Madden. Could be comes fun though. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've been on the MOB show grind since I got my PlayStation. That's probably mm-hmm. been game. Uh, and then the two Spider Man games. I haven't played Miles Morales yet. I wanted to replay the first Spider Man game first. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of got bored of it, so I never got around to the second one being the Miles Morales edition. And then outside of that, I, I think I just have a bunch of free games that I'm probably never going to play on it. <laughs> yeah, I have it will be the show twenty on um, my PS4, uh, and I, that's not a that's not a game I get every year. I typically get that every other. Okay, I so, got you. I haven't decided if I'm going to get 21 for the PS5 or because I'm not getting rid of my PS4. So, or if I'm just going to continue to play 20 and then get 22 in January or whatever. Um, I'm probably going to do that because like the games are more expensive now and I don't play it that often because, you know, I have a life. Yeah, I catch so. Yeah, I feel like I've spent all the money on it and I have not got the value in return yet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess you guys can say that the Buck Off Podcast is an elite territory. We've got two hosts with two PS5s. So where do you where well, do you one PS5 that? and PS2? But like, I mean, you can't find another podcast with two PS5 owners in the sports no. world. Like, I just don't think it happens. So we're here to bring you some fun stuff today. We've got a loaded show once again. We've had a huge week of news, despite like it being the middle of summer. So I'm really excited about that. Obviously, last week, the talk of the town with the JTT commitment, uh, we are talking expectations for the future class 2021. They're set now. What do we expect from the Buckeyes the next three to four years under Ryan Day with this class and the incoming classes? And then on top of that, we've got some unpopular opinions. Uh, We're talking about Reggie Bush, Ohio State wins, the vacations of those. And we've got our top linebacker since 2005. So let's get us started. So, Jordan, I want you to lead this one off. I I know we're both guys who like to express our opinion quite a bit. That's why we do talk. 
shows on podcasts. It's something we love to do. Uh, let's get your first extremely unpopular take about college football or Ohio State heading into 2021 because it's unpopular opinion week at Land Grant Holy Land. Uh, so I hate to say this because I hate talking bad about players, but I think it's just true. Uh, my unpopular opinion is that Master Teague is not a good running back. Um, I think he's a fine, you know, change of pace guy in the sense of like, he's not electric. So like, if you need a tough yard, but unfortunately for some reason, Ohio State doesn't play like that. Like we had, we've had, you know, some trouble in the red zone in some years. And it's like, why don't you just put four tight ends on the field, run power, you know? So if we were going to do that, if he was like a short yardage back, a, a red zone back, things like that, I'd be fine. Um, but a lot of people, you know, people who aren't on the Travion Henderson um, wave or people who want to temper expectations for a freshman, which makes sense, they think that he's going to be the starter. And I just feel like if he's the starter, uh, it's kind of bad news for the running back room. Like, I don't think that he should be our starter at any point. Um, there's got to be another running back, on the, whether it's Trey, whether it's Evan Pryor, whether it's um, – Mayan Williams, who doesn't like meatball, I guess he goes by chop. Like, it, there has to be someone else that's the starting running back. Otherwise, I think it's going to um, – I mean, not doomsday or anything, but I think it's a, a bad sign for Ohio State to begin the season. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting take for sure. I, I'm not sure I, – I mean, it's probably pretty unpopular because I think a lot of people like Master Teague as a person. Uh, as a player, I think you're right. I think he's very limited. I don't think he's kind of that all-around back Ohio State used to having. Uh, The one thing I've always noticed about Master Teague is as the the competition elevates, uh, his game kind of evaporates would be a good way to put it. He's not nearly as good. We saw it with Clemson when Trey – or Alabama when Trey Sermon got hurt. We saw it before that in the – CFP final or semifinal, I believe, last year when they played Clemson. Uh, he was very limited, and he didn't do anything when J.K. Dobbins was out. I think he's a great running back against very average teams with average athletes, but I just have never seen that next-level breakaway ability. And it's not that I don't think he could develop it. He was coming off an Achilles injury, so we've got that in mind. But we have a lot of talent, Ohio State does. They have the young guy, Travion. They have uh, Marcus Crowley, who everyone's talking about this spring or was talking about this spring. You know, Mayan Williams, like you said. Uh, There's a lot of different styles. Uh, There's a lot of different paces they could play at. So I guess it kind of just depends on what Ohio State wants from their running back position. But I think you're right. I don't know what what Master T can give that would take Ohio State to the next level. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the elite breakaway speed, and for me, that's not even necessary because I don't think that J.K. Dobbins had that. He was fast enough, um, but like there was a couple of plays where it's like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is finishing that. Like he would break open things like that. My biggest problem is he's not. Um, he, I don't. I just don't think he affects the game. I think he's more of a running back that he's going to take what you give. But, you know, if a play break – and Ohio State has a great offensive line, but in those moments where a play breaks down and you have to make a move in the hole and you have to do this, like maybe he leans for another yard or two, but we're used to running backs that can, you know, break a tackle or in the hole and get an extra five yards, get an extra ten yards, maybe even get a touchdown on a play that's broken down. 
And so it's not the elite speed. He doesn't have to outrace everyone, but I just feel like he's not getting those extra yards if he can't run you over and kind of lean on you. And like you said, like in the big games when they have equal athletes, the Clemson, the Alabamas, if we ever played Georgia, I mean, maybe even Oregon this year because they have some, you know, studs on defense. I just don't think he's enough. Uh, And so I don't think that he, I think he's a great change of pace back, but I don't think that he should be our starter. Yeah, I think one thing on top of what you're saying that I noticed with Master Teague and comparing him to like the Ezekiel Elliott's and J.K. Dobbins is they could start horizontal and set the edge themselves and then make their cuts to get upfield and create yardage that way. Uh, Master Teague's always struggled with the uh, the sweeps, those kind of inverted runs where Justin Fields would be taking the bash to the left and handing it, and he'd have to take the side steps and get him on the sweep outside. Uh, you know, when Master Teague gets vertical, when he has a hole, I, I think, I guess what I'm hinting at is like, he just doesn't really fit the modern run game as well mm-hmm. as we need He'd at the position. Running back in 2005. Yeah, because like from a physical build standpoint, he looks exactly like Chris Wells did when he first showed up at Ohio State. Like he's just a huge muscular man. He gets going downhill. He's shifty enough every once in a while to sh- shake away a tackle. But overall, like I just don't see it consistent enough. I don't see him being able to be a horizontal threat as well as a vertical threat at running back. He's not a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, and when you have four or five running backs that can play, uh, it's really going to limit your opportunity to utilize his skill set with that size to kind of wear down a defense because you're going to want the other guys to play as well. Like if Travion Henderson's game-breaking ability is what it is, you're going to want him on the field as much as possible. Mayan Williams, he's showing everyone as much as possible. You know, it's just the way it works. And and Travion Henderson should start week one, especially because – or Evan Pryor, whichever one's better. You know, whichever one's better. I'm not – you know, I just think that – especially because running – maybe outside of pass protection, running back is really a a, a position where – you can manage some mistakes as long as the mistakes aren't fumbles. Um, and so, yeah. you know, Travion may miss a hole. He may do bounce outside when he shouldn't, like little things like that. But, the ca- you know, the casual fan may not even notice that. And maybe no one listening is a casual fan because you're spending your time listening to a podcast about Ohio State. But the casual fan is not even going to notice that. So I think that's a position you can live with a couple mistakes. And so I think even if, you know, he's not fully there, one of the freshmen, Travion, is who we expect, but Evan Pryor was also a really highly rated running back. Yeah. I think that they should be our one, too. I think just give them the keys, let them get their three years. If they're good enough, go to the NFL without too much mileage. Yeah, I think, honestly, I'm on the Marcus Crowley train. I think he's going to be a stud this year. I think he's my guy. I think he's my dark horse Buckeye to make a huge difference in the fall. But I think Travion Henderson's a guy, like you said, Evan Pryor. I mean, the, the room's deep. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like if Master Teague doesn't show – something in practice, they're not going to be able to replace them. You know, it's not. But I think a lot of fans are really expecting this huge leap from them, and I just don't think it's going to happen. No, I agree. Uh, Speaking of, I do love the Beanie Wells name drop. Uh, That's still one of my all-time favorite running backs from Ohio State. Um, But what is your unpopular opinion? So my unpopular opinion uh, should actually get the fan base a little excited and stirred up a little bit. I think Ohio State's corners are going to be really good next year. I know we've got a list of guys who are going to be really young, uh, but I think Seven Banks is going to take a step this year. I think Cam Brown, if he comes back healthy, is going to be a difference maker. 
you know, I, I think there's a few guys who probably aren't going to see the field that are a little older, but then you go into the slot cornerback position. You've got guys like Cam Martinez. You've got guys like Lathan Ransom. You've got a ton of versatility at the cornerback position. You've got a ton of guys who want to play. Young guys, big corners like Ryan Watts, Lejon Cavazos competing for time. I think Coombs is starting to build a room of long, lengthy, athletic corners that he likes to have. And we all know that the pass rush, now that we've added JT to Amaleo, and we have a young Jack Sawyer on top of guys like uh, Zach Harris and Tyreek Smith, these older guys who are continuing to hopefully get better and take those next steps as elite pass rushers, it's really going to open up an opportunity for these defensive backs to thrive. So I think this is kind of a take that starts down low. I have a lot of faith in the defensive line next year, and I have even more faith in the defensive backfield next year. I, I, I think Coombs is going to get it right with a full offseason. I, I don't think he was really allowed to fully coach. I think we're going to be a lot more comfortable at the safety position, which is going to allow for the corners to play more press man and mix up coverages more. So I just think there's a lot of good signals I'm getting from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center that are telling me that Ohio State's corners are going to be really good. And before we jump in, the reason this is unpopular is because everyone thinks our defense is going to suck. Yep. Everyone's on the way that the defense is going to be terrible. And then our offense and the receivers are going to have to make up for it. But I think our defense is going to be really good. I think it's going to be what beats Minnesota. I think it's going to be what beats Oregon. Yeah, I, that is definitely an unpopular opinion. And I'm honestly not sure that I agree 100%, uh, which is one of the few times that happens on this show. But I think you make a great point in that uh, the secondary took a lot of flack. But the biggest difference of all last year was our pass rush wasn't there. Like, it just wasn't as good. And, and anyone who really, you know, understands and wants to break down football, your corner is only as good as the pass rush. Even the best corner in the league, you know, even the best corner ever, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. is only as good as the pass rush. You know, um, the corners in the NFL are only as good as their pass rush because if you give the quarterback five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seconds, the receiver is going to break away. They're going to do a drill. They're going to do something. And so, you know, while I definitely think our corners have some room to grow, um, and they, you know, kind of stumbled a little bit in the trend of having first-round corners. I don't know that we have necessarily – I don't know if we have an upperclassman that is a first-round corner. I'm not really on the Seven Banks train right now. I think he has to show me a little bit more. But I do think, if nothing else, they should be better because the pass rush is better. Um, my biggest question for corner, and this is going to be really interesting, is the only the only way I see the secondary really taking a jump, the jump kind of like what you're talking about, is if Kerry Coombs is, um, if he is willing to kind of sit some of the older guys. I think we have some young guys in the room who can do it, but and not to say that Kerry Coombs is Bill Davis. It's just going to be, you know, very interesting to see if if he's going to go with loyalty and reward the older players, if he's going to go with talent. And that's what scares me, that he's going to go with loyalty. And, you know, next year we're going to be amazing because all the young guys who should have played this year are going to play next year. Yeah, I honestly think this is, like, kind of a great segue into, like, the future expectations as well. But, like, before we get into the next topic on the show, I think really – when you look at Kerry Coombs, uh, Seven Banks, Cam Brown, I don't think those were kids that he recruited personally. I think he was already gone. And uh, I think that 
will play a part in it. Because now, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you recruited Ryan Watts. I don't think you recruited Lejon Cavazos. But those are guys that really fit what Kerry Coombs likes in a corner. I know Jordan Hancock. I know Ja'Kalen Johnson are both guys who also fit into that where they're very long, athletic kids. Uh, that is something that you, you have to watch for. I, I think Seven Banks, I'm not convinced he's going to be a first-rounder. I'm not even going to sell that lie. Uh, but I think he's a guy who played pretty well last year at times, uh, given the s- simplified scheme due to the lack of offseason. I think when you look at Cam Brown, he's a really good athlete. I think he was out of position in the slot last year. And I think if you get those guys in the right position, if you get those guys under the belt, and the number one reason I think <coughs> the defense will be better <coughs> is because it can't get much worse. I mean, that's a very valid point. The biggest thing that I'm looking for with the corners, and I noticed this a lot last year, um, is they were almost always in the right position. The technique was fine. The shot, they didn't really get burned too much, but they were not physical. They, they weren't got physical. Bullied by every they receiver. They didn't play the ball very well. No. And so that's what I hope that they fix because it, it's not, I mean, they weren't terrible. But any receiver that had any yeah, sort of yeah. frame or any jumping ability was always going to get a catch on them. And there were so yeah. many times that you would see them fall backwards at the point. Like, they would try to they would try to fight, and you would just see them falling backwards. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like, you have Mickey Mariotti. Like, come on. We know you're in the weight room. Like, you yeah. all have 12 packs. Why are you so weak right now? Yeah, like, on top of Like, Jahan Dotson comes to mind immediately because the two Moss – yeah, oh when he gosh. mossed uh, Sean Wade back-to-back plays. Sean Wade was not in bad position on either of those plays. And granted, the second catch where he caught it one-handed was absolutely spectacular. Like, those are plays where if Sean Wade was confident, if he was playing at the level I think all Buckeye Nation was hoping he'd play at, those are plays that get made. Uh, not because John Dotson's not a freak athlete. I mean, that the catch difficulty, if you just play the ball right and don't fall down, it probably raises the it probably raises the question that it probably won't get caught mm-hmm. if you're just in position. Yeah, and if nothing else, it makes it like okay, that's not on the corner. That was just yeah, no, that's just an unbelievable catch. <laughs> and yeah, some, honestly, that's really a corner's job is to make a catch as hard as it can possibly be. And sometimes you win some, you lose some because the the wide receiver on the wide receivers are on scholarship too. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, but that's probably my most unpopular opinion is I think Ohio State's corners are going to be really good next year. No one agrees with me. I think a lot of people are hopeful, but no one agrees. Yeah. The, I don't think they'll be as bad as everyone says. I'm not sure that we can say really good, but I hope that you are right. You were right about uh, JTT committing on July 4th, so hopefully the luck continues, or maybe the yeah. skill, I don't know. Uh, Let's keep the streak rolling here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of take this into the next one. Uh, unless you want to talk about the group of five being separate from the FBS, we want to start that fire today. Uh, we don't have to start the fire. We can talk about JTT. I just, I just have an unpopular opinion that the group of five separate from the FBS. Uh, I think that would be a, a fun conversation. I think it'd be a fun thing to do. Uh, but we don't have to, we don't have to burn down college football today. Let's, let's talk about the future of Ohio State. 
Yeah, so if you have been living under a rock or you haven't followed the Buck Off Pod Twitter page for some time, we even clipped the part where I said he was committing on July 4th. Uh, shout out to Buck Off Pod for being the elite recruiting insiders mm. that we are. Sources and everything, not really. Uh, but JTT committed. Uh, JT Tuamaleu uh, is the number three player in the nation. And I think it really changes the expectations for the 2021 class, which was already a really good class. I think we can't underestimate that. But adding him to the mix in 2021 was huge. And I I guess I want your initial reaction to it. How are you feeling Sunday on the 4th of July? You know, it's a fun holiday. Everyone's already having fun. Um, And then you get that news in the middle of the day. My re- my initial reactions were, you know, it was excitement and it was really like respect, honestly, like respect for the coaching staff and Larry Johnson and, and everything, because, you know, I, maybe it's unfair to say because he's such a good player that, you know, you wouldn't go th- through his process at his speed, but it would have been very easy for them to say, we have Jack Sawyer. We have the next best player who may be just as good or better we have all these other things. This is doing a lot. Like, you know, and so I had respect for the for the patience and the commitment to him and the fact that they were able to pull this off with a, a lot of pressure, a lot of eyes, a lot of competition. I had, you know, respect for him for seeing it through, um, but also just kind of, you know, relief, but not so much relief because we got him because like, you know, I try not to put too much on high school players making such a big decision, but kind of relief that we didn't have to think about it anymore. And I'm sure it's a lot of relief for his family as well like now we don't have to like we can you know move on from 2021 we can talk about expectations what we're going to talk about and all those other kind of things but we don't have to you know the the back and forth of where is it going to go and he said this and we haven't heard this and we saw this picture and stuff like that so it was kind of like it was nice for it to be wrapped up and of course even better because it was Ohio State yeah no honestly I I tweeted out there's going to be some fireworks on the 4th of July good or bad I was excited. I was walking to Starbucks, and I'm like, "Oh God, it's 12 o'clock! Shoot, I gotta get uh, I gotta get on my phone to watch this commitment." And then it ended up dragging out because they had to get a bunch of the, all their sponsors in, which was kind of annoying. But I, I think this is tight. This is like the cornerstone type of class, led by two cornerstone players on the defensive line, in Jack Sawyer and JT, that can really just expedite the success this year, the success next year, and then lead the success in two or three years from now. I think, you know, these are two types of game-changing players. And then on top of that, you have Emeka Igbuka, you have Travion Henderson, you got a quarterback in Kyle McCord uh, who's going to be competing for the job this fall. You know, the list goes on. This class was unbelievable. Like, I can't even put into perspective. This is like the type of class that really – can be the new landmark for Ohio State. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about expectations on this episode. Because two, three years from now, with the 2020 class, which was elite, the 2021 class, which was elite, this 2022 class is looking to be elite, and, you know, we're just getting started on 2023, so we don't know yet. But right now, I do not think I think if there's not a national championship in the next three years, it, it's a failure on the coaching staff. If you, if you weren't going to say it, I was like, this is, this is a national championship contender. 
um, it's it's almost how like the 2017 class was kind of a failure because we didn't get a national championship. Like that's another class. There are certain class that you think of that kind of you remember. I believe it was a 2014 class or um, 2013 class that you know had you know like Garyon Conley, all of them. They did win a national championship, and then the 2017 class. But they felt like a disappointment because we thought that they should have won two. But Urban botched the quarterback uh, decision. So. Then we have the 2017 class. They didn't win one, and that feels like a disappointment. So now we have this 2021 class, and it's those expectations again. It's this is a class, as well as, you know, some pieces from 2020, some pieces from 2022, but this 2021 class should be the nucleus for a national championship. And honestly, at least two appearances, you know? Like, it's it shouldn't be like a 2014 thing where we go one year, we win, and then we don't go again. Like, I would like to see them in the national championship game two or three times, win at least one, um, but they need to be there. Yeah, I, I mean, that was like my first thought. When JTT landed uh, and broke out the Ohio State crew next letter, I was immediately like, you know, I this is the most excited I've been as an Ohio State fan for the next three years as I ever have been on one recruit's shoulders. And it's not just because of him. Like, this was legitimately just icing on the cake. I think it's a national championship caliber class without JT Tuamaleu. But with him, like, odds are in two years, there's, like, going to be a lot of challenges for other teams just getting passes off, mm-hmm. let alone running the ball. Because the thing is that's very underrated about Jack Sawyer and JT are they're very physical run game defenders. So – they are going to be setting the tone for years to come, and that's on top of Larry Johnson's ability to develop the underrated guys. That's on top of the defensive back recruits that were awesome, two top 51s in this past class in 2021. You know, the receiver recruiting by Brian Hartline, which is our best for last today, another level. Like, you can't beat it. And the offensive line recruiting is still holding its weight. It's not the best. It's probably – hurt by the expectations set by the other coaches. You know, Ohio State's got the number one quarterback in the country, a thousand rate composite rated guy next year coming in. Like the expectation level is raising. And to talk about that further, Ryan Day hasn't lost a conference game yet. Ryan Day's won a playoff game in his two years as a coach. And the expectations are getting higher. And I think at the end of the day, the talent, the influx of it on top of the talent that's already established moving forward, I think this team this year could be extremely dangerous once it gets the cohesion that I think it's going to be missing a little bit early on. And from there on out, you're going to have possibly a two-year starter in CJ Stroud. You're possibly going to have a multi-year starter. Uh, You're going to have multi-year starter running backs, possibly. This is a, that's part of it as well. I think, you know, we brought up the 2017 class. The 2018 class didn't hold the weight. The 2019 class didn't hold its weight for the 2017 class as much as they should have. So mm-hmm. as much as this 2021 class is awesome, the 2022 class has to be awesome. The 2023, you can't have misses. And mm-hmm. I don't think Ohio State has any right now. I know that's projecting, but, like, just looking at the level of recruit, it's hard to see it. And that's and for me, that's the most important thing about the 2021 class, because it, it, it's hard to say that they had misses. It's hard to say this, that and the third because they got to the finals and, and different things like that. But Ohio State last year, they were missing two of their most important things. They were missing a surefire 
no doubt about it, first round defensive end. And sometimes we've had multiple at the same time. They didn't even have one. And maybe, and that's not to say that that couldn't change this year because we've all seen it with players. I mean, Miami just recently, if you follow the NFL draft, they had two defensive ends taken in the first round, and both of them were one year guys. Gregory Russo was a one year guy last year, then he sat out. And the other one, I can't think of his name, was a one year guy this year. He wasn't that good last year, and they both got drafted in the first round. So Zach Harris, yeah. Tyler Friday, uh, Tyreek Smith, one of them could become a first round. I'm not saying yeah. that they're not, but last year they didn't play as a surefire first rounder. So we didn't have that, and we didn't have surefire first rounders and the secondary or safety. There yeah, are players. I, oh yeah, keep going. There are players in this class who, again, projecting, but you look at them and say, used to be a first rounder. We have two on the defensive end, one of the safeties. You know, one of the corners, maybe multiple of the corners, like you look at them and say, as long as you come and you commit and you buy into the program and you take the way training seriously, you don't get in legal trouble, any of that kind of stuff, you're a first rounder. And so I think that they really bolstered and made better the class, you know, the the quote unquote weaknesses and not even so much weaknesses, just the things that were lesser than the bloated expectations that we have. And there's a very real chance that if Larry Johnson and Kerry Coombs are willing to make the tough decisions that we have a lot of true freshmen playing. And I wouldn't be surprised, and I think it's probably for the best, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, there's not much better for a player than trial by fire at times, especially at the defense end position, because you're going to be able to get JTT in and Jack Sawyer and into some high octane situations in big games early on in their careers, which is going to only help them mold into elite pass rushers in the future. You're going to have veterans you can lean on. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the four guys at the defense end position, Friday, John Baptiste, uh, you've got Harrison and Smith. Those are all guys who can be solid. We know they're solid players for sure. Uh, if any of them take the next steps, it's going to be absolutely tremendous for Ohio State's chances. But you get these spark plug guys, you know, that's more of a basketball term. But you get these guys you could throw in and just say, hey, go be a wrecking ball. Go figure it out a little bit. Be a freak athlete. That's why you got recruited here. And then as you're learning the fundamentals, as you're continuing to get better. Uh, so I, I think this this cherry on the top, uh, JT Tuamaleu is one of the biggest cherries on tops I've ever seen. You know, we were all celebrating the class months ago, and he was favored favored to go to Ohio State for 18 months. It stayed true the entire time, and it really actually altered my expectations. It took him that next step. I said, you know, Ohio State's going to be competing for championships the next three years. That's what I said immediately when this class was done. When JTT signed, I'm like, Ohio State needs to win a championship these next three years or it's a failure. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I won't say that it changed the expectations for me. I think I had the expectation that they need to win one in the next three years regardless. I think what it did is it gave me more confidence that they will. And it's hard to be confident that anyone's going to win a championship because it's hard. So it didn't change my expectations, but it gave me more confidence that, like, this is going to happen. Like, put it on the table. Uh, you you can't you can't bet in Ohio, but what are the numbers? <laughs> what's the line that Ohio? What's the over under that Ohio State wins a championship in the next three years? I'll put money on it today, like that. That's kind of what it did for me. 
versus like raising my expectations because they're right on the cusp and they're on the cusp again with, you know, a certain position groups that are slightly lower than our expectations. Um, and another thing to speak of just, you know, I love Chris Olave, love Garrett Wilson, but some of the other wide receivers that we've had recently, the overall bunch of them is going to be better. Like our third wide receiver next year, or even this year is going to be better than our third wide receiver last year, because last year we really only had Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like everywhere is deeper, everywhere is stronger. Um, I'm at this point, I'm almost ready to say we're going to win the national championship this year. Um, but I just think, yeah, one, I think we can have one, potentially even two in this next three year, this next three year stretch. Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of people are really jumping on the returning quarterback train. I think uh, that's why Oklahoma, that's why Georgia have so much love from the national media this early in the year. But I'm looking at the rest of the positions. I'm looking at coaching history. Lincoln Riley's going to slip up in a game. It's going to happen. They'll still win the Big 12, don't get me wrong. But they're going to slip up. They always do. Uh, Kirby Smart, he's going to choke away a game. He always does. Every time. He can't beat Bama. That's not going to change this year. Uh, so I I just don't see those two teams actually meeting expectations. And <laughs> guess what that means? Again, I think Ohio State is going to be battling either Clemson or Alabama for a national title this year. I think Clemson takes a step back. I, I don't think they do this year. I think next year is where we start seeing them drop back a little bit. Because no, I think I... Justin Ross returning, I think their defensive line still pretty good. But they have, the, they have one play. They have Brian Breesy, Breeze, something yeah. like that. He's really good, but I think they I, overall, I think they take a step back. They're, not a step back where they're in, they're in danger of losing the ACC, but I could see them losing a game, which is, I mean for them is a step back. I could see yeah, them sure. being shocked by a Boston College who's hard to play. Shout out to Jeff Halfley, a, a UNC who's really coming up. I could see them losing the game, um, and I could see them, you know, not being as competitive and and. Um, in the playoffs. I, I, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. You know, I don't think it's going to be that far, but a step back in enough where I don't necessarily fear them this year as I would have in other years. And then I think next year, like you mentioned, could be a year where they don't make the playoffs at all. So I think they're yeah. on the downward swing. Um, and maybe that's hopeful thinking, but I do think they're on a downward swing. I, we should have beaten them the last two years. I'm not one that likes to blame refs, but the refs lost us the game last year, two years ago. So um, and neither one of them were really, you know, going to be competitive if there wasn't that swing with the yeah. fumble that was clearly a touchdown and and the targeting call. So yeah, but. yeah. So I mean, I'm with you. I, I think this year, I think it's going to be a two horse race again. I think until someone unseats Alabama, it's going to be them in the end. Yep. And until someone unseats Clemson and Ohio State, there's going to be those two guys competing for the spot to play Alabama in the championship game. I, I, it's kind of one of those things where it's like those three versus the field, I'm taking those three. Alabama, if was any, If there was any year to beat Alabama, though, this is the it, year for Georgia. And if Georgia doesn't do it this year, I don't think they're ever going to do it. Yeah, not with Kirby Smart, at least. No, it's going to end up being – I mean, it, it may not be as bad as Ohio State, Michigan, but if they can't beat them this year <laughs> – with JT Daniels, with receivers returning, yeah, yeah, there's, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, so I think we're in the middle of the show now. Uh, 
Yeah, Jordan, any final takes on where you expect Ohio State to be in three to four years? No no takes so much on, on the field. I think we really covered that. But I, I think an interesting conversation to have maybe later is to count how many potential first-rounders we see on this roster in yeah. the next four years. Um, I mean, the wide receivers, there's probably at least one in every single class. There's going to be two this year with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. There's potentially going to be two this year at offensive tackle, one next year at offensive tackle with Paris Johnson. There's, unless something crazy happens, there's almost no way you can convince me both Jack Sawyer and uh, JT Tuomalau is not going to be first rounders. One of these safeties is going to quarterbacks. Like, yeah, I think it'd be, it's going to be very interesting to see how many first rounders we have coming out of this, re- this recent recruiting run. We should have one or two first round quarterbacks. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I think, I think my final take on this is, Ohio State kind of lost out on being the dynasty it was during the 2010s because of Nick Saban. I think this is the year where Ohio State finally gets to go on that dynastic run we've been waiting for in its entire history, where it gets three or four or five in 10 years. That's more. That's not three to four years down the road. That's over no, the decades. I could, I could definitely see that. Uh, b- before before we move on, is it is it too late to give one more unpopular opinion? Oh, we could get that on the way on the way back in from the break. Oh, of course. All right, so we're going to send you guys to the ad break here in the middle. Uh, appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, make sure if the ads uh, do make you buy something, you tell them we sent you. I don't know if we get commission or anything, but I feel like we deserve it. And make sure you tell SB Nation that. Uh, so off to the break you go. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is your host, Christopher Rennie. We're bringing you another episode of the Bug Off Podcast with Land Grant. Holy Land, I'm joined by Jordan Williams, who teased before the break another unpopular opinion. Uh, I just want I just want to hear this one. I, I think, uh, you know, we're moving along in this show. I think this is – it's always fun when you have unpopular opinions. Yeah, so my unpopular opinion, and I, I, might, I may get crucified for this, but – you know, I don't necessarily care if Quinn Ewers takes a snap at Ohio State. Um, I'm, I'm on the, the Kyle McCord hype train. Don't ask me why. I think he's a really, really good quarterback. I really want to see the Kyle McCord to um, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, connection. I think that he has a very legitimate chance to win the job this year. And if he doesn't, I think he has a legitimate chance to win it after C.J. Stroud, as long as he sticks around. Uh, the unfortunate part about that is if he does win the job, you know, that means Quinn Ewers may have um, may transfer and things like that, but it's nothing against Quinn Ewers. I just believe that I think Kyle McCord is one that good, and two, I trust in the recruiting that if he does win and Quinn does transfer and goes to a better opportunity, we'll get the next number one or number two or number three quarterback and replace it. I don't see us ever not having a, a first round talent at quarterback again, and so I just don't know that you know we need to be so tied to you know to Quinn or any other player, but I just, from, you know, the things that I've seen, the highlights, the, the, the game, uh, the spring game, things like that. I'm really on the Kyle McCord hype train. And I hope that he, you know, gets to be the starting quarterback, whether he wins the job this year or he waits two years and takes it over after uh, CJ Stroud, who it seems everyone expects to win. Yeah. I think that is, 
very unpopular, honestly. Uh, not <laughs> that I disagree. Thinks that. <laughs> but like, I, I do think that's like pretty unpopular, dude. I think yeah. I think I but like I'm with you. Like I, I get the I, I saw Quinn Ewers throw in person. I he's got all the natural innate ability that you could dream of from a quarterback, but like so does CJ Stroud. He was the Elite Eleven MVP. Kyle McCord was competing was for the star. Elite Eleven MVP. He was a five star. Uh this isn't just gonna be something Quinn Ewers walks into and wins the job. Like he's not and I saw rumors today that he was gonna reclassify. I'm like, no, I think he'd get crucified by C.J. Stroud. I think he'd get crucified by Kyle McCord if he walked into that room right now. Like, I think there is definitely a definitive physical amount of maturity that happens from your junior to senior year in high school. I, I don't Basically think you can miss out. Player. Yeah, he'll be a different – Yeah, it's, it's just because he's already ultra-talented doesn't mean there's not steps he still has to take. He still has to learn how to play the position. And as the level of competition grows, so does the level of having to be able to study film, being able to do all those small little things, which, granted, you know, I'm guessing Quinn Evers does. He's a, competing for state titles as a quarterback. He's not going to take any shortcuts there. He don't get as talented as he does without hard work as well. So I, I guess at the end of the day, I just I'm, – I'm with you on the fact that this isn't just going to be handed to Quinn Evers. He's not going to get the keys to the Mercedes immediately. He is going to have to pass the driver's test. He's going to have to go through everything just because he's got the thousand rating, you know, because it's not like the Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant thing where one's definitively more talented than the other. This is a case of three ultra talented quarterbacks who are going to be in the same room. Yeah. Possibly. I, mean, I think Stroud will be out by then, but no, he'll have one year with yours, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's just going to be an elite quarterback room. And I think yeah. that's what you want as Ohio State fans. But I'm not I'm not into picking horses and quarterback races. I, I'm a fan of all quarterbacks at Ohio State. So yeah. I just know everyone listening is going to be like, that's an unpopular opinion. And that's yeah, why you said like, it. They didn't call me an idiot. It's okay if you call me an idiot. You know, I, I, say, I say my social media at the end all the time. Um, that's why we do this. Yeah. We want you guys to interact with us. We want you guys to be like, no, hey, idiot, you're wrong. You didn't know that recruit's name. You said it wrong. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of time in the day. Uh, I don't have enough time to study all that stuff sometimes. I'm going to be honest with that. But also, we are do we do know a lot about this sport. So uh, I, I agree. I think Kyle McCord's an elite quarterback. We wouldn't recruit him if he wasn't. Can he beat out Quinn Ewers? Absolutely. Uh, will I pick a dog in that fight? No, absolutely not. Uh, the I like them both. Play. Ultimately, the best, the best will quarterback play. will play. So I get it. I get it. I get why we're doing this. It's fun. And I, I think if you're a believer in Kyle McCord, I respect that because he's really, really good. But you know who gets no respect at all in the right. national media light? Tell and it so. absolutely, it, it's, starting to, it's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Uh, is our guy Ryan Day. And I wore my Ryan Day polo today on this show for a specific reason, because I was going to bring this up. Uh, why does Ryan Day get no respect for the national media, Jordan? There's no real reason. People will try to tell you because he's only been there for two years. People will try to tell you because Urban Meyer built it. People will try to tell you all of these other things that make absolutely no sense. And ultimately, I don't know. I don't know if it's because he's young. I don't know if because... 
They want Ohio State to fail. I, you know, had this conversation with Matt and he disagreed. I think a lot of people in the media don't like Ohio State. They like the money that we bring in, but Ohio State's a fun team to hate for some reason. Um, you know, Clemson and Alabama are the darlings. I, I can't give you the reason. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and throw the name out there so you can lob because I know you have a good opinion on it. But, you know, um, Davo Sweeney didn't get this kind of flack in his first couple of years. And the one that I know you really have an opinion on, Lincoln Riley gets significantly more respect. So I, I don't have a good reason. I don't think there is a good reason. I just think either people don't know football, they don't like him, they don't like Ohio State. I don't think anyone can give you a legitimate reason because saying he's only been there for two years is worn out. Like it, we've seen what he's done in two years. We've seen the recruiting rankings. We saw what he did. It's really two and a half years because, um, he, he the took four over games. Yeah. the four games, and he was the offensive coordinator. Like, come on now. I don't, I don't want to hear any of that. Yeah, so, I mean, he kind of threw me the lob here. I'm going to throw the dunk down on Lincoln Riley's head here. But, you know, Lincoln Riley's playing in a much less competitive conference. He's coaching them against teams that wouldn't even share the same field with Ohio State in any given reason because, number one, we wouldn't schedule them because there's no money. And, number two, Ohio State uh, – you know, they play in the Big Ten. The Big Ten's an elite football conference, regardless of how you slice it. Yes, we go on a list. The SEC is probably number one, I'm going to be honest. The Big Ten's are for sure definitive number two in depth from one to 14. Ryan Day hasn't lost a single game in the Big Ten since he's taken over as a head coach. We want to talk about first-round quarterbacks. Okay, you had number one picks. Guess what? Ryan Day, offensive coordinator for Dwayne Haskins, first-round pick. Uh, guess what? that a very next quarterback he coached, first-round pick. So now we're talking quarterback development, first pick. Oh, uh, let's see, playoff records. How many uh, playoff games off the top of your head has Lincoln Riley won, Jordan? Zero. A big zero, just like on their helmets. The O. How many teams have been competitive is the better question. Uh, also, uh, a one. I'd say they had the Georgia game that was pretty competitive. But Ryan Day's won a game. Ryan Day's one and one he has won a major bowl game as an offense coordinator, the Rose Bowl. You know, like his three years at Ohio State have been absolutely elite, uh, or four years, I guess, would be the correct answer there, uh, have been elite. Uh, he's an elite coach. I don't get it. Uh, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is because this pro football Focus guy, pro football Focus college, his name's Seth Galina, made a list where Ryan Day wasn't even his top 20 coaches. That makes no sense to me. And if there's a list where there's coaches who haven't won a single playoff game, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley, are in front of them. You know what? Great. They recruit good. They've been there a little longer. They've showed they've had sustained success. I get it. Put Ryan Day at five. But to not have him in the top 20. That makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. It's an uneducated opinion. It's an uneducated take. And at the end of the day, Ryan Day, if you were to list out all the coaches available, so say we had a fantasy draft of coaches, you have unlimited money, uh, one team in the country, a blank school, a middle-tier school gets all the money in the world. I'm going to guess it's going to go Nick Saban, and then who's next on the list? I would say Ryan Day. It's I mean, probably Ryan Dabo, Day. But I, I, I think people are starting to not, like, I, I think people are starting to get tired of Davos when he's like personality, certain things like that. So, I mean, maybe he's two, but if he's not, if he, even if he is two, 
Ryan Day's three, but I think Ryan Day's probably second, honestly. Yeah, and I just thinking to myself, uh, this is on Ryan Day's side. Uh, what's he done since he's taken over from Urban Meyer? He's elevated the level of recruiting that Ohio State's had. Elevated it. And he beat Clemson in a playoff game. And Which Urban I mean, do. Yeah, so I guess at the end of the day, the next step naturally for him is a national championship. And if he beats Lincoln Riley at getting there, if he beats Kirby Smart at getting there, I do not ever want to see a list, regardless of how long anyone's been anywhere. I don't care if it's Lance Leipold, Todd Monken. Oh, my God, you went 500 to Buffalo. That doesn't make you a better coach than Ryan Day. If you gave Lance Leipold the keys to Ohio State, I don't know if we're a national championship team. I don't. And that's not a knock on Lance Leipold, but I've seen it with with Ryan Day. I think Two years. I think Lance is a great coach, but I don't think he's recruiting at this level. He can't teach I, some of the stuff Ryan Day's been able to accomplish. No. And, and that's that's kind of where it's at. And he's good at everything. I mean, he, he's good at relationships. He's good at player development. He's an excellent play caller. I mean, how many times did we watch, you know, Urban Meyer? And this is not a crap on Urban Meyer, but when you're talking about the differences, sometimes it comes off as negative. How many times did we watch Urban Meyer run the same play? There's literally a play that if I, if I sat about it for 30 seconds, I could tell you the play from memory, and it's literally never worked. And Urban Meyer loved it. I mean, I would, again, put money on the table right now that Ryan Day as head coach or even offensive coordinator, we don't lose to Michigan State in 2015. Was that 2015? Yeah, yeah, 2015. We don't lose to Michigan State. Maybe, I mean, maybe we don't even lose to Purdue. I don't think, I don't think Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator for that one either. Um, he may have been for Iowa. I don't remember. I don't remember four years ago. But regardless, I don't think some of those things, especially the Michigan State one, I don't think that happened with Ryan Day as head coach for sure. Um, so recruiter, play caller, relationship builder, player development. I mean, the everything that you want a coach to do, he's top tier for sure. Uh, I agree. Uh, obviously, it was a topic that made me very impassioned. I had like five or six quote tweets about it today for following at Pod on Twitter. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, the next thing on our list to talk about today, though, and I, I kind of want to give this topic a little bit more time, but I, I guess uh, is this one that you think we might we should push to next week? Yeah. I think just so we have more time to talk about it. Uh, Ohio State, uh, their wins – uh, that got vacated because of the tattoos and IL stuff. Reggie Bush's Heisman. I think we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, so be there for that. I kind of want to do an NIL theme show next week if we can. I think that could be fun. Like kind of get a grasp of it. So be ready for that one. We're going to talk a lot of NIL stuff next week. It's decided. I think there's a lot of fun topics. Kane sponsorships, uh, logos from players, where this is going. But we haven't really touched on it. I kind of wanted to see it play out. I think Jordan's in the same boat where he kind of wanted to see NIL play out a little bit before we really discussed it. Yeah, but I have some, I have some very interesting opinions on it, I think. Um, I mean, maybe I'm the only one that thinks they're interesting, but I definitely think it's a good thing to talk about. And I think, you know, we're both capable of talking about it in a sense that's slightly different than, you know, what we've heard so far. So I think it'll be a fun show. Yeah, I think it's something we should dedicate a show to, to be honest. I think it's something. It's a big topic. I think there's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, just with these two topics alone, we could talk for half an hour. So I think we're going we're gonna to give those ones to next week. Uh, so that leads us into 
the the favorite segment of the week. I think we love doing this. It's fun. It's hard. Uh, take it away, Jordan. Uh, so this week we are back on defense. Um, and one of I, I feel like we say this all the time, but this is easily one of the most stacked positions. Um, we're doing linebackers. Uh, when you hear linebackers, if you don't know who is number one on both of our lists, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast. Um, it, it's very clear. You're probably saying the name now. Um, hopefully you're saying the name now. But I think two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, we're only doing top five. But that that rounding out that top ten is, is going to be very interesting. And I think, you know, we I know we're going some different ways. And I think our listeners would go some different ways as well. So, um, you want me to say five, or you want to go with your five first? Uh, you can lead us off on this one for sure. So my number five, this is slightly different than, you know, than normal. As you've listened the last couple of weeks, I'm very big on All-Americans and stats and all this other kind of stuff. And, I, and this guy kind of backed it up with the stats and different things, but this is very much a pick from the heart. He's one of my favorite ones. My number five is Malik Harrison. I think he's one of the best linebackers that we've had. I think if, um, you know, he wasn't coached most of his career by Bill Davis, he arguably would be higher on this list. I think he was misused a lot, but, I mean, just pure talent. I definitely think he's going to be one of those players that ends up being a better NFL linebacker than um, college just because, unfortunately, some coaching flaws and different things like that. But I'm a big Malik Harrison guy. Uh, He honestly maybe should be higher on my list, but uh, Malik Harrison's my five. Yeah, no, I like Malik Harrison. I, I'm going to save my take on Malik Harrison till uh, number three on my list. So that's a hint. Uh, I'm already giving away my list, but Malik Harrison's number three on my list. I have a lot of respect for him as a player. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like he's just so good. Uh, my number five is Joshua Perry. Uh, I think Josh Perry is a guy who really uh, he was a lo- local kid, went to Olentangy High School, uh, came to Ohio State as uh, really good recruit, uh, but at the end of the day, he was a guy who kind of just took the normal career path that Ohio State players were taking. He played a little bit as a true freshman, played as a sophomore, started starting as a sophomore, and then had a junior year that was absolutely insane. Leading the team in tackles, uh, you know, had a bunch of sacks for a linebacker and was really just an anchor to a team that we all hold very heavily in our hearts. The 2014 National Championship team as a leader, as a player on the field, he made a lot of plays and really just kind of anchored the defense at that second level. Yeah, Josh Perry is a good one. Uh, I think he's another he's one that personally I didn't think about. And then I saw it on your list, and I was like, yeah, no, that, that's a good one. Uh, national championship uh, player, you know, Joshua Perry. And if we're going to talk about him, I think we also just, just mentioned, because he does similar things like we do, except he's probably better and gets paid a lot more. He's great on Big Ten Network. I like his, yeah. I like his interviews. I like his, you know, I, I love listening to him talk. I like his honesty. Um, one thing that he talks about uh, on Twitter and different things is he does not have similar, you know, opinions about the 2015 team that a lot of fans have. He doesn't think that they would have won a national championship, which is interesting. I would love, like, if he did, like, a documentary or, like, a five-episode podcast on why he feels that way from inside. Or he sat room. down. 
with um, us on Buck yeah. Off to talk about it. Uh, you know, maybe we should reach out to him. Um, but no, so obviously a great player, um, a great person, and now he's just as successful for Big Ten Network and everything else. So great guy. And I, I, I do believe he uh, recently just tied the knot and got married. So I think we should wish him a congratulations there. Oh yeah, congratulations! I I knew he was engaged. I didn't know he recently got married. You know, I don't follow people that closely, so. Um, yeah, I think it was honestly just one of those chance things I saw on Twitter. Really? I don't know if I follow yeah. him. I just gave him all these like positive vibes, and I don't know if I even follow him on Twitter. <laughs> I guess yeah, that's funny. All right, but yeah, moving forward, who is your fourth best linebacker since two thousand five? My number. Four. I'm actually switching this. I have to. My number four is AJ Hawk. Um, he's barely on the list. Uh, he his last year was 2005. He almost didn't make it. Um, but he, you know, 0405 All American. We know what he did um, in the league. So AJ Hawk is mine. I, I feel like I don't need to say much. Unfortunately, also, if I'm being honest, I don't remember him at Ohio State too much. He's, you know, a little bit younger. But I do remember the impact he had, and I do remember him playing in the league. I think maybe I said this for Cam Hayward or one of the offensive linemen. He was always one of those players where he was kind of borderline. I don't necessarily remember him immediately at Ohio State, but I remember his NFL career, and I always remember being very prideful that he came from Ohio State. So I had him at three, but after going through the list and looking at it and really thinking, I had to move him to four. So you'll see who I put up at three, but – A.J. Hawk definitely has to be on the list. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't include A.J. Hawk on my list. I, <clears throat> I just kind of didn't really include him in the post-2005. Uh, I think I, when you think of A.J. Hawk, you think about him on that uh, those that 2004 team. Uh, he was a freshman on that 2002 national championship team who contributed. He had a long career at Ohio State. That was pre-2005. I just didn't yeah. think. Maybe he was wanted to include him on a list like if it was 2000 and on I think he's for sure on my top five I think I just didn't include him because of he was more pre-2005 than post-2005 you get what I'm saying yeah that's fair he did only have one year so um I think uh I'm not gonna say who I would have replaced him with until because he's on your list but I do have a player who I went back and forth with and if I would have adhered to that you know I mean, and that's no disrespect to AJ Hawk. I think he's yeah. he's one of my favorite players. I have a forty-seven jersey in my closet. If that puts mm-hmm. it in perspective at all, so uh, he is one of those guys who you just love as a Buckeye fan. But it just didn't make my list. Now, my number four might be controversial. So, continuing with the unpopular opinions, it is Pete Werner. All right, not to be confused with Tough Borland. All right, not they're different. Okay, uh, Pete Werner are, are you is sure? a guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm very sure on this one because I have been a Pete Warner defender since he started playing outside of the Purdue game, obviously. Uh, Pete is a guy who played multiple positions at Ohio State. In the year prior to uh, Ohio State beating Clemson, in the that season he was an extremely valuable piece to that defense. He played – the Sam linebacker position was an absolute monster in space, made a lot of tackles, was able to play the half safety at times. And then the next year puts on 20 pounds of muscle and plays a very dominant will position at linebacker with some highlight hits and stuff. 
But the reason he's number four on my list, I think he was brought down by his running mate in uh, Pete Werner, or not Pete Werner, in Tough Portland. I just confused him. See how easy it is? That's what the national media does. That's why they bring down the Buckeyes like Pete Werner. He is a guy who is going to be a very good professional football player, I believe. But I think in his time at Ohio State, I think he was underappreciated. And I know I shouldn't put people in the top five because of underappreciation, but I think he was underappreciated so much that I had to give him number four because I think he was one of the better linebackers Ohio State had in the decade of the 2010s. Uh, honestly, I think that's fair. Um, I think a lot of people saw uh, a white linebacker running around and was like, oh, that's Tuck Borland. It's like, no, no, there's, there's two of them, and one of them plays significantly better. Um, I think it's it's important to admit that he did play two multiple positions. He played the Sam, he played the Will, he played at a high level. A lot of people were surprised, but there was a reason he was drafted so high. Um, and a lot of times NFL guys are wrong on college players. We see that all the time, but – I think this is one where the NFL guys were right. Like they saw what he really was and they knew his um they knew his importance. And if he wasn't a linebacker, he probably would have went a little higher. Um a third round pick for a linebacker is very, very good. Like you don't typically get too too many first round linebackers. So I think he's someone that could have a long career. I could see a couple Pro Bowls, um, different things like that. Um, so he's not on my list, but I don't think you were wrong for having him on yours. I think he definitely deserves that respect. Yeah, I had to give some of these new age guys a little bit of respect here. I know my next guy is also one of those guys, but still. Who's your number three on your list? My number three is Raekwon McMillan, who somehow is underrated. Like, I just feel like no one talks about Raekwon McMillan. You know, when we talk about the linebackers, and, and maybe it's because he's the first traditional middle linebacker that we've had for a while. I think we're kind of used to, the, you know, the Malik Harrisons, Pete Warners, Ryan Chaziers, Darren Lee, like those kind of rangy sideline to sideline. And sometimes our, our rock solid guys in the middle don't get a lot of respect. That's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, Raekwon McMillan was amazing. Um, two-time All-Big Ten first team. He's somehow not an All-American we talked about it before the school started, before the podcast started. I think he was an All-American only because he played at the same exact time that Alabama had a ridiculously dominant linebacker. And, and so I think he didn't get as much respect as he deserved, but he led the team in tackles, I think, two years straight. Um, he has a, a very solid, a very solid um, NFL career. I believe he plays for the Dolphins. I believe the Dolphins have two. Oh, yeah. Ohio State. He just signed with the with the Patriots, I believe, in the offseason. Oh, did he? Yeah. Either way, Raekwon McMillan um, is is my number three. Yeah, so I really like Raekwon McMillan. Uh, I I I don't think it's criminal that you have him at three at all. I think he he honestly he was the name that popped up when I saw your list that I was like, dang, how do I not have him on my list? And uh. You know, once we moved it from outside linebackers and middle linebackers and we made it just linebackers, it kind of changed my list a little bit. And that's kind of why Raekwon fell off. But he's a guy, and I was just reading his Wikipedia page uh, before we hopped on this, but he was a 100-tackle guy twice. Uh, And he was a three-year major contributor. As a freshman, he played a lot. So I I think – Overall, his longevity on top of that, but I think you said it at the start of your 
uh, your turn on this one. He just kind of was really, really good uh, all the time. So he kind of his play kind of went under the radar. There was never anything flashy. He did his job while being a freak athlete. We can't take that away from him. And I think that's kind of why a lot of people don't realize, like, this guy was an absolute monster at the middle linebacker position for Ohio State. Yeah, 100%. And I do think, unfortunately, for some reason, you know, the guys up the middle, you know, don't always get love. You know, defensive yeah, tackles let's... don't get love. Linebacker, middle linebackers don't get love. And sometimes offensive linemen don't. Too, unless, so. they have, unless they have a cool nickname. Yeah. So I think that's our job moving forward is to give our middle linebackers and defense linemen really cool nicknames. Uh, so people give them the respect they deserve. I'm going to pass that off to you respectfully as I'm terrible with names. Uh, but when you come up with a good one, I will I will commit to calling them that every show. Yeah, no, let's not throw that all. Let's not put that burden on me. I was, uh, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Uh, no disrespect to these guys. Uh, Malik Harrison's my number three. Uh, we've already talked about him. I think Malik Harrison was, like, if I remember right, he was recruited as a position that is much smaller. I think he was either a running back or a safety recruit. And then they said, hey, you're moving to linebacker. He got up to 235. He was a multi-year contributor. Uh, I think for two years he was, without a doubt, our most consistent and best linebacker uh, alongside playing. Yeah. And he he just was a guy who uh, he made a lot of plays. And his junior season was where he really came alive, became a starter, and then we really got to see what he did. He played along the line very well. He played in the pass game very well. And he really racked up a lot of tackles his junior year. And I think, like you said, the Bill Davis stuff, it's just kind of like malpractice. Some of the guys we saw on the sideline as long as we did. And he's one of those guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill Davis should have, you know, he should have been put up on criminal charges for not letting Malik Harrison play. Yeah, he's a freak, dude. I, I remember when he won the dunk contest uh, on Twitter. Uh, they did a dunk contest. He was throwing dunks down between his legs at 235, 245 pounds. Like, Literally just a physical freak. Grown men at that size should not be able to jump the way he jumps and move the way he moves. Yeah, not not at all. Um, he, I'm glad that he was on your list because I thought I was tripping, um, you know. And I'm glad that he's even higher because I think that you know that really shows what he meant to our generation, you know, you know, yeah. as a recent Buckeye, things like that. So maybe some of the old school guys wouldn't put him this high on the list, but Malik Harrison was a physical freak, and unfortunately, he's one of those guys that we're going to look back and and just kind of wish we had more. And that's saying a lot oh, because he still sure. had a great career. But it's like we, we wish we we wish we got we would have got a little bit more. We wish that Urban Meyer wouldn't have hired his buddy Bill Davis. Yeah, one hundred percent. Who's your number two, Jordan? My number two is Ryan Chazier, um, two-time Big Ten first team All-American. I mean, I don't even need to say that. Ryan Chazier is just—I love watching him play. I love his energy. Um, a bit undersized, and then you know it—it's really a tragedy. And I don't—I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to say tragedy because like it, it makes it seem like it's tough because he's still alive and he's walking and different things like that. But as far as, as an athlete, as a fan, it's a tragedy that, you know, he got injured in the NFL, even though he played for the Steelers, cause I hate the Steelers. 
because he was t- he was going to take the league by storm. He was such a good linebacker. Um, he did everything that you wanted. I mean, he made so many big plays for us uh, at all times, and he's easily one of my favorite players. Um, you know, of, of recent standing, um, I can't remember um, if he if he won a ring in fourteen or if he graduated in thirteen, but. Yeah, he was definitely on one of those, some of those last, you know, iterations of the Silver Bullets. I, I, I don't think, you know, Ohio State has had some good defense recently, but I don't think we've had the Silver Bullets. And, and he yeah. was one of those ones that made you want to bring that nickname, that nickname back, the way he was flying around, the way he was hitting yeah. people. You, you didn't want to run a screen of any kind because he was going to be there no matter where he was on the field. If you threw it behind the line of scrimmage, he was going to knock your helmet off like – uh, just yeah, for a missile. Sure. he was a missile. Um, shot out of a rocket every time. So, you know, Ryan Shazier yeah. is my number two. Yeah, Ryan Shazier uh, to me is just the embodiment of what you want from an Ohio State defender. And he's not on my list. And I'm going to be honest, the only reason he's not on my list is because I don't want us to have like four of the same players again uh, in different orders. So I didn't include Ryan Chazier for sole purposes of entertainment on the show. So we had different lists. I think he might have been uh, my number two behind James. Oh, no, I can't give that away yet. Uh, I'm going to cut that out. Uh, maybe not. I think that'll be kind of funny. But uh, I think you have a great selection there at number two. I, I don't think there was a player at the time who gave me more joy watching on the defensive side of the ball than Ryan Chazier. I, I agree 100%. My number two is Deron Lee. Uh, I don't think we win a national championship without Deron Lee being at the level he is. Uh, Point blank, simple. I think he was the best linebacker Ohio State had in the 2010s. Uh, I think when you look at his success in college and the level of play he was able to put out in the biggest moments in the biggest games that Ohio State had. I don't think there was anyone better at that than Deron Lee. And he was a guy who racked up tackles who was all over the field, an absolute freak athlete. And I just, I, I, I he's one of my favorite players of this decade. I mean, I'm with you 100% on that one. I, I, there's nothing bad you can say about Deron Lee. Um, Somehow, I mean, this is just tough, man. Like you say him, it's like, how did he make my five? But then I look at my five, and it's like, where do I put him? I mean, even if even if we did a top ten, there'd be some players that we left off. So, um, yeah, I'm glad he was on your list. He a, a great, great player. I think you make a very valid point of saying he may have been the best linebacker in the 2010s. Um, maybe I don't give him that, but maybe I will if I really sat down and thought about it. He, he yeah, was, honestly. Looking at the list, it's either him or Ryan Shazier is the best in the 2010s. Easily. Uh, So you want to get to number one? Uh, I think we could introduce this one together because he's the same on both our ends. I think this guy might be the best linebacker at Ohio State ever. It's hard to say he's not. Maybe you give it to Chris Spielman. I don't know. I don't think I was alive when he was playing. I definitely wasn't watching football. But um, (laughs) the number one is James Laurinaitis. Again, if he was not the number one that came to your head, unless you're a little bit, you're a lot older than us, and your number one, well, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. I was going to say unless your number one's Chris Spielman, but we very clearly said this is 2005, so there's absolutely no way that get your number one couldn't have yeah. been James Laurinaitis. Unless uh, you were born in 2010 and yeah. your number one's not James Laurinaitis, uh, like I don't know what you're doing with your life. And even if you were born in 2010, you should have done your history. Come on now. Should have heard the stories. Like yeah. this guy was 
He was so good at linebacker. It doesn't like, make sense. But you got three-time All-American written down. I don't know that how many players in the sense. history of college football are three-time All-Americans. Honestly, I don't know that Ohio State talks about him enough. You know, I don't think they do. I understand, like it's slightly, it's 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 different because it's a national award. Whatever we talk about, Archie Griffin being the only two-time all, uh, you know, Heisman winner, and that is amazing. There can't be that many three-time All-Americans. We don't see James Lord at Nidus enough in the commercials. I don't know if he fell out with Ohio State. I don't know what happened, but James Lord Nidus needs to be back. Um, he needs to be talked about. Um, yeah, they need I to mean, remend that relationship. Whatever happened, he. He is the player that defines Ohio State for my childhood, and I'd imagine it's probably the same for you. I Um, think when you talk about the defensive end for Ohio, like the defensive side of the ball, uh, it's James Laurinaitis and Malcolm Jenkins. Those are the two guys who define my childhood as an Ohio State fan on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, easily. And James Laurinaitis is the first player that I remember, like, feeling his impact. Like, there are some players that you watch and, like, Chase Young, you felt his impact, right? Like I felt the impact of James Warnock, which is why I remember him. Because to be honest, if if anyone's really paid attention, there's not a whole lot of people on my list from you know five, six, seven, because I was what 10, 11, 12, yeah. like. But James Laurinaitis, I vividly remember watching him play. I remember him in the middle. I remember the helmet flying around again to bring up the silver bullets. Like he was the silver bullet. Like he wore a was ton him. of eye black. I mean, had it, all the swagger. It was the traditional linebacker that we don't see um, anymore. He made every kid our age that was an Ohio State fan want to be a middle linebacker. Yeah, I mean, I played linebacker because of him. Let's, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I played linebacker and I wanted to be like James Laurinaitis. Unfortunately, I wasn't as good. I wanted to go to Ohio State. Like, James Laurinaitis was the guy on defense. Um, I don't know how he's anything less than your number one linebacker yeah. since 2005. And I, I think that's a good way to conclude it. I think he, honestly, if you look at our list since 2005, he might end up being the number one ranked player of all of them. I, I have a hard time saying he wouldn't, honestly. And again, unless, you know, you're 40s, 50s, 60s, and you can come in on the show and talk to us, I don't know. I, I think I'm putting him over Chris Spielman, too. And we hear yeah. from Chris Spielman. I, don't, I just don't understand why James Laurinaitis is not talked about in the same way that we talk about Chris Spielman, in the same way that we talk about some of the other greats. Yeah, it's, um, it's weird, honestly. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Maybe it's Maybe I don't know, and I don't have I don't have a reason. But you know, if James Laurinaitis, if you hear this, we at least on Buck Off Pod respect you. We remember what you did for the Buckeyes, uh, and we want to make sure you get that respect. Absolutely, and I think that's a good way to take us into our best for last on the day. We got to keep it short, so our managing editors don't get too mad at us for going another hour and fifteen minutes here. But Brian Hartline is a god. Kojo Antwi committed. Uh, you had uh, something. You said something about him winning an award for being yeah, the best recruiter. He, yeah, he won. And I can't remember if it was the best wide receiver recruiter or just the best. Rec- I believe it was the best recruiting assistant coach. Um, I don't remember who does the award. There's a million people who rank these things and everything, but he did win for the second year in a row the best recruiting assistant coach award um, in that ranking, and he's very, very, very well deserved. Yeah, I, I think a lot of teams would sell their souls to get Brian Hartline, and you know the best part is he's a Buckeye, and he doesn't need the money that a lot of coaches do. 
because he made $50 million playing in the league. And he makes plenty of money at Ohio State to just coach receivers and mold the next generation of talented players. Very, very soon. He's 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 worked. He's earned it. He's worked his way up. So very soon he's going to reach the million club as an Ohio State assistant, um, which shockingly is very rare. You know, Ohio State is their assistant, well, but they don't they don't give the million dollars out like they do at a lot of other places. He's going to get up there. Um, and honestly, it'll be a bargain. Yeah, it'll be a bargain. And one of my favorite things about him, because a lot of people who don't really pay attention think that someone's going to steal him. And I don't want to, I don't want this to sound like he has no ambition because that's not the case. But as you mentioned, I I think he's perfectly happy as a wide receiver coach. Maybe someday yeah. that changes. He wants to be an offensive coordinator, head coach, whatever. But I think he's doing what he's passionate about. He has a very young family, as we see in the picture, young kids. I don't think he wants to leave Columbus. He's the best at what he does. Happy, happy life, happy wife, all that other kind of stuff. And like you said, I mean, I'm I'm not counting anyone's pockets, but his paycheck is essentially pocket change because I, I imagine he made a lot of money in the league, and I imagine he didn't spend all of it. So. There's nothing that anyone could tell me, like, what is he going to leave Ohio State for? More money, Ohio State will play. A better position, Ohio State will, will pay. It, like, there's nothing yeah. that he, it, there's nothing any other program can offer him that he's not going to get yeah. out of Ohio State. I think Ryan Day has very much understood the value of his assistance in his early time. So I don't think he's ever going to undervalue Brian Hartline. No, there's no way you can. If yeah, he asks for the Brink truck, you give it to him. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. I think we're going to see more of this in the future from Brian Hartline. I don't think it's going to slow down. And uh, I guess that takes us into wrapping it up. So, Jordan, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on all, on all social media at black underscore royalty eight. Also, if you like the sound of my voice and my opinions, check out my other podcast at Get Defensive Pod. Yeah, and for me, you guys can find me tweeting from the show page at Bug Off Pod primarily, and uh, at my personal page at Chris Rennie CFB. Uh, make sure you're following that too for all my other sport takes as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Land Grant Holy Land feed before you go, and make sure you start rating our podcast, man. Uh, we've got some old ratings in there. We got to make sure you guys are respecting the new age. It's it's a nice helpful thing for you. I don't want to be fishing for likes or compliments here but uh if you guys like the show if you are a close personal friend and i've sent it to you and i haven't seen your name pop up on the bottom i'm gonna find you because i know where you guys live (laughs) but if you are just a regular listener and you guys are all the best uh make sure you give us some love on the ratings tell them buck off sent you and that's how i got for today anything else jordan Nope, that's it. We're we're coming into football season. We're going to get to talk about some real football here shortly. So definitely follow Buck Off Pod. Listen to all of Land Grant. I mean, it's you can't convince me that there's no better there's no better podcast, Ohio Side podcast out there. Yeah, and I guess one last thing for Land Grant Holy Land, we are doing a TBT bracket challenge. So make sure you check that out. Join it. We're giving away some Carmen's Crew gear, and overall, just keep liking the content we're putting it out and uh if you come at us online you best not miss and that's how i'm going out go bucks go bucks